Here we go. Welcome to another fantastic episode of My Orgasmic Life. Mm, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Gaia Morissette. And today's show, we actually, before we talk about today's show, because I always forget this part, today's show is sponsored to sponsored by Tickle.life. <laughs> okay, now, <laughs> I have a fantastic guest with me today um, that I'm going to let her introduce herself in a moment, but um, I want to tell everybody, like, how I met her and, you know, how... When you just kind of listen to your intuition, you never know what it's going to lead to. So me and her were at this conference called Playground, and you know we're we happen to keep ending up in this like same workshops that we just ended up sitting next to each other. We didn't really, we didn't know each other. We didn't say hi. We didn't nothing. We just kept seeing to being at the same workshops, accidentally sitting beside each other. And I was just called to like hand her my business card. I'm like, here, here's my business card. <laughs> I didn't know who she was, I didn't know what she did, she didn't really know who I was, and that was what, like two years ago? I think so, I think that was two years ago. Yeah, so two years ago. So then we come full circle, and I put out a call, and I'm like, hey, I need somebody that can talk about STIs and STDs, and she's like, hey, I can do that. My (laughs) favorite subject. So I was like, right on. So the moral of that story is... You never know what a stranger is going to bring into your life in the future. It <laughs> could be chlamydia and gonorrhea. It could be chlamydia and gonorrhea. So, <laughs> it's <laughs> true. <laughs> it's right. a high possibility. Yes. So the beautiful thing is that, as you can see, the both of us laugh and are ridiculous. So as you can tell that, this may be an STD, an STI, and a safe sex conversation, safer sex conversation, but we will make it as fun, as entertaining as possible. All right. Come on down. You want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ellen Apple. I am a registered nurse in Vermont, and I'm a student midwife, so I'm working to be a certified nurse midwife, and I've been in women's health for about eight years now and I've done other stuff not in the nursing role for a couple of years before that I was a massage therapist I'm a perinatal fitness specialist and I am just super excited about women's health and talking about things like sex and STDs and it's very exciting to me so I'm really happy to be here and I'm really interested in like kink-informed care and trauma-informed care I'm a SANE nurse, which is a sexual assault nurse examiner, so which means if somebody gets sexually assaulted and goes to the hospital, they call me in and I do the uh, evidence collection for that and put the rape kits together. So I'm kind of like a first point of contact for sexual assault victims, which is also like my other passion. So That's so beautiful. Yeah. So welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. So all the people who are listening um, and are with us live, um, there's a little bit of a lag. So periodically I will check in and we'll open up the floor to questions um, and then I'll check in and then we can ask those questions and answer some of those questions and then we'll go back to the show. So that's how we're going to proceed today so that I can have my undivided attention. Ellen. <laughs> all on Ellen. All about Ellen. Hey! <laughs> all 
start with, um, let's talk about just safer sex practices. Let's just start there. Okay. Um, so generally people usually think about safe sex as being just condoms. Um, and there have been cases where there's been chlamydia or gonorrhea that people get in their throats. So when you're having oral sex, having a barrier method is important. And then, uh, Another virus that is more, it's less known, but is coming up a little more is HPV. So that is the human papilla virus. And there's like a hundred different strains of it. And you can get, there's a Gardasil vaccination that it typically is given in childhood. You know, maybe when you're 10 and 12, like it's a series of shots that people get. And they previously didn't recommend it over the age of 26 is not covered by insurance. I don't know in Canada how that works. It's um, not covered here. It's not covered here in Canada either. At and all? It's, it's, it, yeah, at all. Um, the vaccination and it, it's quite expensive. Mm. So if you're an adult, I think if you're outside of the 26 range in the United States, it's like $800. Yeah, that's about the range of what it is here in, two, in Canada. Which is terrible because, you know, the recommendations are based and they want to prevent you know, the HPV, and it's only protects against uh, two or three different types. Yeah. Like 13, 18, and maybe 19, I believe, which are the ones that are cancerous. But, you know, everything we're learning about it evolves. So you can get the vaccination later. But the, I think the assumption also is, is that once you hit 26, you're with your life partner because the government has very realistic expectations of people's sexuality uh, that we're all monogamous and we're not at risk for HPV. So I want to come back to kumquat. Okay. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? I know, right? Let's just all say, let's all just say kumquat because that's just fun to say. <laughs> and I want to bring us back to, let's just talk about barrier. Barriers barrier practices so we have condoms we have okay. dental dams yeah we got gloves right right mm. and and the importance of using them properly so let's let's talk about because there's using them mm -hmm. then there's using them properly mm -hmm. and then i was thinking that once we kind of get everybody on board about what when we talk yeah, about we barrier then we can go into each each one of those you know oh right very sexy intriguing mysterious world the mysterious world of stds and stis beautiful okay all right so, so let's talk so let's, let's talk about uh the barrier practices and what you would say is uh the first thing let's talk about condoms yeah. So what are some of the, the leading ways in which people use condoms incorrectly? Um, I would say they don't squeeze the tip mm -hmm. to let there be a space for the ejaculate to go. So that would cause it to blow out. Yep. Um, and then if, they, if it's ill-fitted. Yep. Or it can if you fall just, off. It can fall off. If you um, leave it on after you ejaculate. And then it becomes slippery and slides off yeah. because the semen is in there. Um, or just putting it on at the end. Yes. Like 
putting it on at the end, meaning you've touched the penis to the other part, genitals, and you've rubbed yeah, all over the place, and you put it in, and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, that doesn't protect you from anything. Mm-hmm. And then in Correct. relation, and, and I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, in cor- you know, with especially certain things like herpes, condoms, if you have, if there's sores that are not actually covered by the condom, that right. also doesn't protect you. <laughs> the condom <laughs> protects the penis and yes. then it protects, you know, the vagina, anything that the actual condom is touching, but they're all the skin surrounding the genitals exactly. that could have, you know, stuff, like some virus on them yeah. is not protected. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's really important to, you know, consider. Also, using condoms that have been in your wallet for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Exposed to sun or heat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, if they know, are from before 2000, I would say just get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you look at the expiry date. <laughs> yes. If it's in the 19 anythings, you can go ahead and get rid of it. And I think sometimes the cost can be prohibitive to people. Yeah. So there's lots of places you can get free condoms. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, depending on where you are in the world that you're listening. Mm -hmm. Um, I know in Canada, we have lots of clinics where you can get some, where you can pick up free condoms. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm sure that that's the same in the States. Yeah. And most, just most of the OBGYN practices, like anywhere, like women's health, Planned Parenthood, WIC office, they have them. Which is like the women, infants, and children's financial support. Um, yeah, your friends go online. <laughs> your friends, yes. Ask your friends for a free condom. <laughs> they don't want you to get the oogies either. Exactly. All right. <laughs> so let's move on to um, gloves. The importance okay. of gloves. Yes. So. Gloves would be a barrier for your hands and anytime they touch an orifice, right? So if they're going in the mouth, they're going in the anus, if they're going in the vagina, if they're handling the penis or any other erroneous zone, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's going to be fluid and there could be a risk of the, you know, viral shedding, and I think it's really important that if you are touching the penis with the glove and then you touch your vagina with the same glove, right? you're not protected. Okay. So this is right. the important part that you need to think about, right? Is that, you know, gloves are one form of a barrier, but depending on where that hand has been and what you touch makes it not so safe. So it's right. important to be consciously aware of that. Because um, it's and protecting I, your hand, hand, but it's not protecting <laughs> anything the hand with the glove on is thus touching. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, so then I would also, and then just as a, you know, always a reminder, you know, um, never, you know, cross-contaminate something that's been in one orifice into another orifice, mm-hmm. same orifice. Right. Gloves. So again, just remember. And they're cheap. You can get a box for very inexpensively, and then you just take it off and go ahead and switch your glove. Exactly. Hold on. So, sorry. Quick interruption. 
Um, and then, okay, so then let's talk about, you know, dental dams and barriers, other barriers for, for oral sex. Right. Uh, so dental dams, I've actually never seen one live in action. I'm going to, I'm going to just let you know that. So there's dental dams, but you could also use saran wrap mm -hmm. or you could cut your glove down like the pinky line or the thumb line, but it creates a barrier, something that creates a barrier between the vagina or the anus and your face. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've seen dental dams in action and they're not very tasty. Right. That's <laughs> so the feedback I, I've gotten. Huh? Yeah. So I've heard that. So, you know, cutting your, cutting your glove is a really good way of, you know, kind of getting around that. Um, and a glove is easier to hold in place. I found that I've, you know, I've attempted to use dental dams and they're, they're, they don't stay in place. And, you know, you're trying to, trying to lick and it's all a mess. So yeah, I recommend the whole. <laughs> yeah. And then you glove can is the best. Like, glove is the best way to go. <laughs> Gloves are amazing. They're, they're huge. They can do yeah. all sorts of stuff. You could put lubricants, lube on one side, the side that's going against the person, if you want yeah. it to be slidier. Yeah. And then you don't get, you know, your face stays dry. Things yeah. don't seem too artificial. Yeah. You can use the, one of the, one of the, like the thumb. Uh, mm -hmm. For some, put your tongue in there. So yeah. <laughs> you want to get into things, right? Good. So it's a little more, it's a little more. Um, I what do I want to say? Innovatively friendly, maybe yes. the glove. You just yes. get yourself a nice box of, you know, if you like black because it's sexy. I like purple gloves myself. Yeah, I think they're pretty. Yeah, yeah, and you can have, and there's also, you know, all different colors and shapes and sizes and latex you know, or non-latex exactly you know powdered non-powdered mm -hmm. there's so many options you mm -hmm. can have you know different colors for different moods <laughs> <laughs> they need to have like the um remember hyper color shirts yes remember those shirts so you put them on and if you're in a you know if it gets hot it gets a certain color it's like mood you like yeah. a mood ring a moon, <laughs> moon dimple dams. <laughs> all right. So, so, all right. So you ready to yes. dive into the mysterious world of STIs? So yes. which, which one do we want to start with? Let's start with chlamydia. Mm, it's not a flower. <laughs> nope. That's so, chamomile. <laughs> <laughs> That's a geranium, darling. <laughs> All right, so chlamydia is like a classic. Bringing it back to a classic, always hanging around. Chlamydia is can be asymptomatic in women, so it's one can, that can be particularly um, troublesome because it can cause um, scarring in the fallopian tubes, which can lead to infertility, mm -hmm. and it also can be harmful to a fetus. So if you're pregnant and you don't know that you have chlamydia, it can cause preterm labor and it can be bad. So that's something. Yeah. So let's let's define uh, a. What did you say? A. Asymptomatic. Yes. Thank you. Define that for our audience. You can have no idea that you have chlamydia. You can have no symptoms. 
So, or you could have like increased vaginal discharge, you know, itching. I don't know if there's so much of an odor, but um, pain with intercourse. You could have um, bleeding with intercourse if you have a really uh, irritated cervix. So it's really easy to test for. They do, you can do a urine test for chlamydia and gonorrhea where you just pee into a cup. The first morning urine is the best. Or they can take a little swab and some places you can do it to yourself in the office where you just stick the Q-tip up. It's a really long one and you just kind of stir it around right by the cervix and that tests for the chlamydia and the gonorrhea. Um, and they're both easily treated which with antibiotics, um, you know, it's a difference in a couple days worth of dosages. And you, if you have it, you should, you, your partners should be tested for it and treated for it as well. And uh, do you have any of the stats? Cause it's the most popular. It's the most mm -hmm. popular of all, <laughs> all the little things. Okay. So, and then chlamydia is also one of the ones that uh, can be in the throat. So sometimes people think if they're having oral sex, they're, at, they're being safer, but they're actually not. So let's see. So the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, says that um, they it's something that when a provider finds chlamydia on somebody, they report it to um, the health department so they can see how much. This is how they get these statistics. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that there's about 3 million cases in one year in the United States. So um, as many as one in 10 adolescent females test positive for chlamydia. And do and we so have that, some male stats? Let's see. No. Well, this is awfully sexist. <laughs> That's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not okay. Um, and they think that undiagnosed um, STIs, which are, which are sexually transmitted infections, um, can cause 24,000 women to become infertile each year. So my favorite website to look at is the American Sexual Health Association. Mm -hmm. And they have really good statistics and very easy to understand. So what so, I will do is I will put that link in the, in the show notes for all of our yeah. listeners. All right, hold on. I'm going to go over to our live feed over here. I, we haven't forgot about you. Well, actually, I kind of a little bit forgot. So totally <laughs> I totally got enthralled in our conversation. So um, does anybody have any questions? Um, you know, does anybody have any questions for us? Oh, no, no questions. All right. Well, I promise I'll remember you guys again. <laughs> I'll come back and check in on you. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what's the difference between chlamydia and gonorrhea? They're just different um, bacteria. Okay. So gonorrhea is also, so they're tested together because it's a swab that they culture. Yeah. Um, they're treated a little differently. Then, and gonorrhea is also, so you women when you go in for pap smears, like you, you would usually get tested. So when people say they want STI screening, they usually do a swab for chlamydia and gonorrhea. Yeah. And if you say you want blood work too, they'll do a blood panel, which looks for other things. But chlamydia and gonorrhea are the two most common. 
Okay. And, um, and they can be both orally and is it from uh, contact? Is it from fluid contact? Mm -hmm. Like what's the, what? It's not just, um, it's just living there. So it can live in the vagina. It can live on this, around the cervix. It likes the kind of wet, moist places. So that's why we test it around the cervix. And what about the penis? Oh, I'm sure it just loves the penis too. So it would be in the urethra, you know, or it would be in the, like, but um, I don't want people to think that unless there's a lot of fluid, like unless there's ejaculate or a really wet pussy that you're not going to get STI. <laughs> no, no. Right? No, no. Well, I, I'm just asking more probing questions because I'm, you know, for, yeah. for, for some of our listeners who are like, oh, this is kind of intriguing. I want more details on, yeah. on it. Um, but yes, the moral of the story is barrier unless you are fluid bonded because you've been tested and there's lots of trust and there's lots of communication and you've been tested and then you've been tested and in your, <laughs> your testing you ask for not only the sti panel oh. you also ask for the herpes titers because those are an add-on at least in the united states yep. Yep. they're not part of the traditional and there's not always a guarantee that they'll find things. So, you know, it's important that if you're going to become fluid bonded with somebody that you've done your, your research and, um, you know, you have a lot of trust within each other, but you've been tested, you got all the tests, all the tests, okay. the blood work tests, all the panels, the whole, all the options. And the other side note to that is that men don't get tested for HPV ever because they don't know how to test men for HPV. They know if their partner and they're fluid bonded and they've both been monogamous has a new case of HPV that it would have come from the male. But then I guess they aren't as monogamous as they think. Yeah. So it's important to kind of, look at all of those pieces all right let's talk about uh what's our what's uh, what's next on our condoms dental dance gloves we had gonorrhea and chlamydia and we talked about it being in the throat and you can get chlamydia or gonorrhea in the anus too okay so if you're saying i don't want to have um like piv sex like penis and vagina or i don't want to have oral sex because i don't want to get sti but i'm going to have unprotected anal sex you're still. <laughs> it's for everybody who couldn't see my face, by the way. <laughs> it was, oh, oh no, abortion. No, no, no. That is not God's blind spot. You can still get all sorts of stuff in there. Yeah, and it's actually high risk, high risk because of tearing. So um, if you're putting anything, my, this is my personal take, even if you're fluid bonded. <laughs> if you're putting anything in the bum, <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Wrap it up. And you know what? It can just keep things tidier too. So it's never yeah, a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. And, and it also helps with, you know, not absor absorbing lubrications. You don't have to use as much lube, although you must use a lot of lube when you're doing anal. But your body won't absorb with your, you know, because you've been, you got a barrier. So it's nice and slippery. So yes. Anything in the bum? Wrap it up. Okay, wrap it, it up. Wrap up the bum. <laughs> All right. So, as you were saying, so we oh, no, got to 
I don't know. I've got to... All right, chlamydia gonorrhea. Yeah, we're already All done. Right. We're good. We're done with chlamydia gonorrhea. Next. HIV. Uh, H- that's let's go. Yes, yeah, let's do HIV. Um, so HIV is, um, you know, it's also fluid, like blood to blood kind of a thing. So anytime you're having sex, it's a high risk because if you're having oral sex, if you have any cuts in your mouth or in your throat, um, and if there's, you know, anal sex, unprotected anal sex, like we we're just talking about, you can get tears, vaginal. Um, it's one of the ones that, you know, I'm sure when Gaia and I were growing up, like it was the, the big scary, right? That was the big thing. Like you want to use condoms so you don't get HIV. Yeah. And that it could kill you. And that you was die. Growing, and that you would die. And that was you when, it, when it came out, that was when we were growing up. Right. Um, so again, barrier, safe sex. Barrier. That's, you know, really important. That's an important piece of, you know, protection. And if you think you've been exposed, you can go, you want to go right away. So it's really the first 48 hours are the most important. You can go and they can put you on a prophylactic medication um, that can help protect you against it. So if you had um, unprotected sex with a partner and you don't know their status or you're you know, something happened, you've been sexually assaulted and you don't want to go have reported or, you know, whatever, any way that you think that you might've been exposed, there are prophylactic medicines. So prophylactic is something that's to treat something ahead of time, right? Before you have symptoms of it, or you think that it's actually happened and they can kill off the virus. There's a good chance of killing it, but they, they have traditional traditional medicine that they have for that is like you have to take it a lot and for a long time and it can make you feel kind of crappy and they're coming up with new there's new medications that you can take for less amount of time that don't make you feel as bad but you have to really remember the dosage and then there's prep right yeah so let's talk about that all right my i'm kind of limited in prep but i believe it's just for male to male right no, I believe, I, I, I'm not sure. So you know what? Let's neither one not. of us, let's not uh, weigh in on it. And um, I promise you guys that I'll go and do get some research and, and uh, go get, figure out what needs to happen so that you have all the information about that. Yes. Dan Savage talks about it a lot. Okay, so I'll go find I'll go find the person that knows all about it. Okay, call <laughs> right. Dan. Yeah, I'm not the person. <laughs> right. So, but I yes. I know that it exists. Yeah, don't. There are other people that know a lot more. So, um, you know, there's also if you think that you've been exposed, you can always call like uh, the hospital and talk to infectious disease. They can kind of go through and ask you a bunch of questions to see what your likelihood is of being put at risk and that kind of stuff and say, and whether or not they think that, that you should be prophylactically treated. And the last time I kind of did some research on this, um, you know, it was also, you know, when you do get tested, it only covers you from six months from when you got tested. So this is a really right. important thing, unless they've changed that. I don't know if they've changed no, that. You, no, you can retest if your viral load is too low. 
it won't get picked up. So then you need to get retested in case that, you know, it's multiplied and there's more of it in your body. And then they'll say, oh, okay. Yeah. So what that means is, is that before you go down the road of, you know, again, just choosing fluid, being fluid bonded means that you got to get tested be clean completely of in, in, in relation to HIV. You gotta be tested and then have completely safe practices, extreme safe sex practices for six months and get tested again. And then you know, you're clear. Yes. Okay. So that's important to, for, it's not that you get tested once and then, you know, oh, okay, I'm clean or, and I hate the word clean because that's, you know, if you do have an STI or an STD that doesn't make you disgusting and dirty and wrong and a horrible human being and all the stigma that might be attached to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's really important. I don't want to do any shaming. There's no shaming here around, um, you know, we want it so that it's about giving people opportunities to be informed of, of taking care of your body, of taking care of your health, of being able to give, you know, let other people make decisions and make their decisions about what they are comfortable with and how they want to move with things so that everybody can be as safe as possible. And it's not about shaming. So I just, I needed to say that because then when I heard, you know, it'd make, make sure that you're clean. I was like, Ooh, that's, that's part of that language, but there's a lot of stuff. We don't have a lot of other language for it either. And that's the, you can just say negative. You're a negative Negative. for it. Um, And it makes it really hard. I think it just makes it really hard. I think that's an excellent point that you made because you know, the only way not to be a hundred percent certain you're not putting yourself at risk for anything is to be abstinent and actually not let your skin touch anybody else's skin which is kind which of what's very happened. unrealistic so um yeah and so it's important to you know that's why we call it safer sex right right then, safer sex practices because there's it's it's a practice and there's no 100 percent, like you said unless you are not touching anybody no one's touching you if you're out living in a bubble, but you know, which I get, actually, this is kind of a nice segue into the, when, when I was just researching for this podcast, um, one of the, something came up as STI that I was surprised and it's called molluscum contagiosum. And it's something that kids get. So you get these little, it looks like a white head almost, and you can get it anywhere really, but it's usually like, it can be around the folds, like in the folds of your legs, um, you know, genital area. And uh, it looks like a little white head. So it'll be kind of sore, like a pimple forming. And then it's actually called a horn. That's <laughs> like, look how excited I get. I'm like, oh my God, it's a horn. And then you get... <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you what you do next and and you know if you're anything like me I'm always want to pop anything but if it can be really painful and then and it becomes just like an open so you could think it was like just one isolated whitehead but the more you touch it you just get that virus all around and you end up having it looks like you're breaking out with these whiteheads and they can be like little pustules too, like little bumpy sacks. So if you have that, there's a couple of different treatments. One, they can freeze them as they come up, or you can take like a sterile 
they'll take something sterile and pop the horn out. But the really big things is you don't want to touch your genitals and then touch anything else, right? You want to wash your hands with soapy water. You don't want to reuse the same towels. I mean, I feel like if you're having a herpes outbreak, these are good practices as well. Mm-hmm. So you want to, like after you shower, you put those towels right in the laundry and you get them washed because the stuff can live on laundry. It can live on your hands and then you just pass it around and you can get, you can get it in your armpits. You can get it all over. Well, that doesn't sound like a fun time. No. no. But the horn sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it, not so much. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a virus. So it's just kind of like chicken pox almost. Yeah, that's what it so sounds it like. It has sounds a like life. It's really say. interesting. Kids get it all the time. Little, little kids get it all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next. Not from sex. No, Sorry. not from sex. <laughs> Let's make sure that we're very clear about that. Right. Right. Okay. So. Let's see, do we hit syphilis yet? No, let's talk about syphilis. Syphilis, also an an oldie but goodie. So, you know, syphilis is something that people think was extinct, you know, just kind of went away a million years ago. It's had a huge resurgence comeback in the last 10 years. You know, pretty retro, very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Now, isn't that the one if untreated uh, eats away at your brain? Yes. So they think one of the King Henry's, right? Or one of the Louis had it. Yeah. Yes. So syphilis is, and it got the resurgence. They traced it back to um, Turkish bathhouses in New York city and in the suburbs um, from the last 10 years that there was, because those are places that there was a lot of unprotected kind of secretive sex happening Mm -hmm. for, so there was, women started coming in, these married monogamous women started coming in, in the suburbs and saying, I don't know, you know, how I could have gotten this. And their husbands were maybe stopping at the bathhouses and having secret, you know, man on man bathhouse sex, which, you know, so the women thought they were monogamous and their partners weren't sharing who they're having sex with unprotected. Yes. And then here comes little syphilis, living the dream. So you can kind of feel sick with it. A lot of, actually, most STIs, you can kind of have, like, within 14 days, you can have flu-like symptoms. You can just feel kind of yucky and run down. And it depends on the STI on, you know, the exact symptoms. But that's kind of like, if you have unprotected sex, within the next 14 days, you feel kind of yucky. Um, And then you can get what's called a kinker. So, um, and it's it's different than a lesion, like a herpes lesion, because it's kind of bigger and it's usually isolated, just one, and then it goes away. And then the, and we're talking about, we're talking about syphilis in particular. Yeah. Yeah. And syphilis. And it can be swabbed when you have it, or you can do a blood test and they actually, they do blood tests in all pregnant women to see if they have syphilis because it can be really bad for fetuses for developing babies. Um, and the treatment for, yeah, the treatment and the treatment is, is it antibiotics? Yeah. I think it's usually penicillin unless you're allergic, then they find something else. Okay. It's treatable, treatable. but it's just one of those ones that you could have for a while and not even know. Like, so there's a lot of these that kind of can be, like I said, asymptomatic or insidious and, you know, and then whoopsie daisy. Yeah. 
Um, okay, next, uh, anything else? What do we else do we got? Hepatitis C. Yeah, let's talk about hep. Let's talk about the hep. The little heparoonies. <laughs> There's a whole alphabet of them. <laughs> <laughs> there are. There's so many of them. Yes. So hepatitis C has been the one that's, um, was always kind of the scariest because it causes like liver failure. So hepatitis is something that lives in HEPA is your liver, right? So hepatitis C you get from um, blood to blood transmission. So tattoos, if you go to a place that has, I mean, and a lot of this information is, you know, tattoo parlors are, and shops are really clean now, right? They have the guidelines, they have the new, they don't use reusable needles, like all this kind of stuff is kind of antiquated. So I think this is where STI stuff ends up feeling very like boring and like your high school math teacher in brown polyester pants is lecturing you on sex and you're like, you don't know anything about sex. Like I know everything. I'm sexy and you're old. Um, right. Is that how they say it? Like you probably got great people here, man. That was me. But I did grow up in a time when AIDS was huge. So, you know, the all the celebrities on MTV were all talking about safe sex, right? It's true. And the reality is that, yes, this, you know, as far as, you know, a fun, light, happy conversation is like, you know, yeah, no, it's, it's, it necessarily isn't as exciting as say, you know, when I talk about, you know, masturbation or faking orgasms or, you know, BDSM. However, that being said, it's incredibly important for you to have the information. And that's why we're doing this show is so that you have the information. And again, so that moment when you're about ready to have sex with somebody and you're about ready to roll around naked with them and you haven't had the STI conversation, you know, beforehand and somebody's like, oh, you know, I forgot the condoms. It's okay. And somebody and wants like, to just the tip. Just the tip. Exactly. Oh. The answer to that is no. No. The tip also could have the things. Exactly. Yeah. So the the best we can do is mutually masturbate in this room right now. I'm which can be here. super duper hot. Uh, which can be super duper hot. I I'm gonna be over here, you'd be over here. We're gonna get to be warriors and uh, exhibitionists. Mm-hmm. But I, as much as this information is out there and as much as we've been taught about this information, you would be amazed on how many conversations I end up having with people who actually don't have safe sex. They get mm-hmm. drunk, they go out, they have sex with a random stranger, uh, they, they don't talk about even with their potential partners, STI conversations. They don't have any of this dialogue as well as they don't bother to actually practice safe sex and they don't take responsibility for their own sexual safety and they expect the other person that's going to show up with all the props. Well, and you know, the interesting thing about it is that, you know, he had talked about the only way to know for sure that you're not going to get anything is to just be in a bubble is if you actually look at the information and you figure out like if I'm putting this there, you know, you can make your own risk benefits and then you can yeah. make your own decisions. Exactly. So, you know, there, and the more, and it's way too heavy to go into like the statistics of what your risk of transmission are for everything. 
Um, but you know, like you could find out, okay, I'm a female, my partner's female. So my risk of, you know, X, Y, and Z are very low if I engage in this type of sexual intercourse. But, you know, I am really high risk for bacterial vaginosis for BB. Or, okay, I'm not going to have um, penis to vagina or genital to genital sex, but I'm going to use a sex toy. Like, do I need to put a condom on that sex toy if it's not mine? Most likely. I'm, I'm going right? to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep your fluids with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good, this is, like a, this is a great way to look at it. My fluids are my fluids. Your fluids are your fluids. <laughs> right. So when I was in nursing school, they told me something that I always think of. And what I tell people when I do, you know, talk to teens about sex or, you know, if it's wet and sticky and not yours, don't touch it. Yeah. <laughs> without proper protection, without PPE, personal protective equipment. Yes. And, and you'd ahead. be surprised how many times in my life when I was a housekeeper in hotels, I think, Went and sticky, not mine. Better put on some gloves. Yeah. And that's a good rule to have and to look at. So anything else that we just want to kind of tie this up? We talked about BB. We talked about the STI panels. Um, I think that your point about clean and not clean is really important because I'm thinking about a patient visit I just had recently with a younger younger person and they were saying, you know, I have unprotected sex with my partner and I don't think that he would with this other girl because she's gross or she's not gross or he looks clean and that is has nothing to do with it. So um and if we're talking about it in the kink community and you there a lot of people before you start, you know, they'll ask for your labs. I mean I, I don't know if you find that, Gaia. Um, I think that they don't necessarily ask for your labs, but there's definitely a conversation that's had mm -hmm. um, about, you know, depending on what kind of play you're doing. Um, there's also very big about bring your own toys mm -hmm. um, because HEP, HEP, you know, is a big one in transmission because of the blood Mm -hmm. stuff that can happen in you know in right. uh, kink and bdsm so that that's more of how it's done but the point is is that you want to have the conversation like you need to have the conversation you mm -hmm. need to have that conversation before you are going to roll around and get naked with somebody and, and i think that people think the conversation is a buzzkill mm -hmm. or kills the mood but I think the STIs go right hand in hand with consent. Whereas if you're having like a really, you know, grown up honest conversation about sex and what your risks are. And I think that, I don't know, it's, it's a huge turn on number one to know that you're safe or you're maybe at risk for something, but you figure out a way to be safe and have a good time anyway. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, that, okay, all these things that can nag in, my, in the back of my head, I don't have to worry about anymore because I'm being safe, I'm being smart, and I'm having a really good time. And the thing that I've found over the years on a personal level is that when I'm, because I live a non, an ethical non-monogamous lifestyle, so you know I have more than one sexual partner on a regular basis. And so I've gotten really good at navigating 
All right, so we're going to figure out if we're sexually compatible, and let's talk about SDIs. <laughs> like, right. It's like, it's a sexy conversation, and it's incredibly sexy. So when I say to a potential new partner, what are your safe, safe sex practices? And if they're like, condoms, or what are you talking about? Then that really is a good indicator to me that they don't value their own safety, their own house, right. their own body. So how can I um, lean into that place of surrendering, letting go, you know, being vulnerable? Because these are all the things that happen when we have sex, right? Sexual interaction mm -hmm. with each other. Mm -hmm. And so how can I do that if that person doesn't even care about their own sexual health and their own bodies? And the other thing that I find incredibly sexy is when I say, so when was the last time you were tested? And the person says, they can give me a date the last time they were tested. That's like, ooh. <laughs> or, you know, another thing that I, when I say, oh, when was the last time you were tested? And they say, you know, it's been about four months, but you remind me, it's time I should go in now. Like, you just reminded me, time for a checkup. And I'm like, aren't you a good little one? Yeah. And yeah. so that's about taking that responsibility piece, right? Mm -hmm. Being a part of that. And at the end of the day, the only one is that is responsible for your own safety is you. And if you can't have those conversations, then you're not loving yourself. And that's really what it comes down to, is this ability to be able to love, take care of you. And letting go of the, the shame of it and letting go of the fact that, oh, it'll be a buzzkill, like you said, right? It'll be a buzzkill if we talk about sex. And the truth is that that's hot because you can make, like you said, you can make consensual choices. You can make conscious choices about how you want to navigate with that person. So go get tested if you haven't been tested in a while. If you've never been tested, definitely go get tested. <laughs> Right. Oh, can I add one more thing about HPV? Yeah. So the recommendations now is they're not testing anybody under the age of 30 when you get a pap smear. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's something that when you get a pap, which is when you get, go to your a gynecologist or midwife for the visit, they put the speculum in and they, they use a little brush to get some skin cells. It's a screening. So they don't recommend that you test for it unless it's asked for before the age of 30. And then if you, you get tested and if it's um, positive, then there's stuff that you do and then you have to have increased testing to see if it goes away and there's different things that they can get. So, um, but it can cause cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to get tested for HPV. And here in Canada, you actually have to, you have to pay for that testing. Oh my God. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. Oh, that sucks. It does suck. Right. But so you know it also sucks. Cervical, cervical cancer. cancer. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, vaginal cancer, you can get HPV in your anus too. Yeah. And HPV is the leading cause of throat cancer in men. So there you go. There you go. All right. Oh, the one Wet thing we sticky. didn't talk. What? Wet and stick. Uh, yeah. Well, last thing is we did not talk about genital warts. Oh, yeah. Viral. 
genital warts are viral. So those are one of the, it's one of those things too that, um, you know, you think about the viral ones, HPV, herpes, genital warts, they all are things, they're viruses and that the virus can be there if you don't have symptoms, if you don't have warts or lesions. Um, and they can be extremely painful. Um, you could just get one or two. You can get a whole cluster. They can be removed surgically. They can freeze them off. They can kind of burn them off, laser them off. Um, but once it's in the system, the virus is in the system. It either like lays dormant or it's active, mm -hmm. correct? Right, like herpes, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So another interesting little side note about, you know, genital warts and herpes is that you could have been exposed, not known it. And then when you get pregnant, everything, you, you know, it can go a little crazy and you can get like huge clusters of genital warts mm -hmm. and you, you know, when you thought, well, I, that's, I haven't even thought about that in years or, and with herpes too, just cause your immune system is in overdrive. Yeah. That's just kind of a, a little interesting side note about pregnancy and bumps and warts. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a bump or a lesion or something weird on your genitals, don't pick it. Don't pick it. Try not to if touch it. Do, wash your hands immediately. Wash yeah. the area immediately. Soap and water. Good old soap and water. And uh, when you have an opportunity as quickly as you possibly can, go get it looked at. Because mm -hmm. they can swap them and tell you what you're dealing with. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Thank you. Hold on. Let's go back to, I forgot you guys again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We apparently answered somebody's question. Right on. Thanks, Clara. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So thank you for being with us today on the show, Ellen. And thank you very much for all of your insights and sharing. Um, you know, again, you know, the moral of the story is it's wet and sticky. Not yours. <laughs> and not yours. Don't touch, Don't touch it. it. Don't touch it. And my fluids are my fluids. Your fluids are your what? fluids. Keep your and Keep your fluids to yourself. Uh, also, make sure you get tested. Make sure, you know, barrier, barriers are your friends. Barriers are sexy. You can make mm -hmm. them sexy. We let, let's go, let go of the shame and the stigma that might be attached to um, any STIs. And I think the most important thing that I want to leave you with is this. Sex is fun. Sex is sexy. However, sex can be deadly if you don't take care and listen to what we've talked about. So it's like there's a risk. It's inherently risky. And the last thing is, is that you can't tell by looking at somebody if they have an STI. All right, this is a really important thing as I hear, oh, I can totally tell. You can't tell. It's, there's no like neon sign. 
It's not the, you know, what they wear, how much money they make. It, this has nothing to do. It doesn't mean that they're dirty. The, the most prestigious person could have an STI and you would never even know it. I said, so it's really important to change some of those belief systems around, because I've heard this from clients. I've heard this in talking with people. Oh, well, I would totally know. No, you don't know. And you won't know. I've even heard people who are said, I'm so spiritual, I'll be able to sense it. You will not be able to sense it. I've heard some crazy, crazy shit for people to try to avoid having safer sex practices. And so a good rule is get tested. And if anybody's trying to convince you that you shouldn't have safe sex, that's a good indicator that you may not want to play with them. Right. That's a big red flag. It's a huge red flag. All right. So thank you very much for being on the show. And um, for everybody who wants to spend more time with you, you want to give a shout out to your podcast? Yeah. So my friend and I have a podcast called Ellen and Jade at your cervix. And we have a Facebook page and you can find us on iTunes. We've been a little dormant lately, but you know, (laughs) that doesn't mean we won't pop back up. And we just talk about um, women's health and stuff like that. So we're both RNs and midwives and we just really like to talk about women's health beautiful so come check us out and all those details will be in the show notes you want to spend more time with me you can find me at succulentliving.com for all of your bdsm and wellness needs you can find me at empressgaia.com and don't forget to follow me on all the social media under guy morissette and empress gaia and of course you need my podcast app that you can get on Google Play Store so you never miss an episode and you can take me everywhere you take your phone. <laughs> Yay! Yay! And again, as a reminder, my podcast is called My Orgasmic Life. All right, that's it, that's all. Love you all. Bye bye.